Question 47 of Summa Theologica Prima Secundae, Treatise on the Passions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Prima Secundae, Treatise on the Passions, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 47. Of the cause that provokes anger, and of the remedies of anger, in four articles. Translator's Note. There is no further mention of these remedies in the text, except in Article 4. We must now consider the cause that provokes anger, and its remedies. Under this head there are four points of inquiry. First, whether the motive of anger is always something done against the one who is angry. Second, whether slight or contempt is the sole motive of anger. Third, of the cause of anger on the part of the angry person. Fourth, of the cause of anger on the part of the person with whom one is angry. First article. Whether the motive of anger is always something done against the one who is angry. Objection 1. It would seem that the motive of anger is not always something done against the one who is angry. Because man, by sinning, can do nothing against God, since it is written in Job 35.6, If thy iniquities be multiplied, what shalt thou do against him? And yet God is spoken of as being angry with man on account of sin, according to Psalm 105.40. The Lord was exceedingly angry with his people. Therefore, it is not always on account of something done against him that a man is angry. Objection to Further, Anger is a desire for vengeance. But one may desire vengeance for things done against others. Therefore, we are not always angry on account of something done against us. Objection 3. Further, as the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.2, man is angry especially with those who despise what he takes a great interest in. Thus men who study philosophy are angry with those who despise philosophy, and so forth. But contempt of philosophy does not harm the philosopher. Therefore, it is not always a harm done to us that makes us angry. Objection 4. Further, he that holds his tongue when another insults him, provokes him to greater anger, as Chrysostom observes in his homily 22 on the letter to the Romans. But by holding his tongue, he does the other no harm. Therefore, a man is not always provoked to anger by something done against him. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.4 that 
Anger is always due to something done to oneself, whereas hatred may arise without anything being done to us, for we hate a man simply because we think him such. I answer that, as stated above in question 46, article 6, anger is the desire to hurt another for the purpose of just vengeance. Now unless some injury has been done, there is no question of vengeance, nor does any injury provoke one to vengeance, but only that which is done to the person who seeks vengeance. For just as everything naturally seeks its own good, so does it naturally repel its own evil. But injury done by anyone does not affect a man unless in some way it be something done against him. Consequently, the motive of a man's anger is always something done against him. Reply to Objection 1. We speak of anger in God not as of a passion of the soul, but as of judgment of justice, inasmuch as he wills to take vengeance on sin. Because the sinner, by sinning, cannot do God any actual harm, but so far as he himself is concerned, he acts against God in two ways. First, in so far as he despises God in his commandments. Secondly, in so far as he harms himself or another, which injury redounds to God inasmuch as the person injured is an object of God's providence and protection. Reply to Objection 2. If we are angry with those who harm others and seek to be avenged on them, it is because those who are injured belong in some way to us, either by some kinship or friendship, or at least because of the nature we have in common. Reply to Objection 3. When we take a very great interest in a thing, we look upon it as our own good, so that if anyone despise it, it seems as though we ourselves were despised and injured. Reply to Objection 4. Silence provokes the insulter to anger when he thinks it is due to contempt, as though his anger were slighted, and a slight is an action. Second article, whether the sole motive of anger is slight or contempt. Objection 1. It would seem that slight or contempt is not the sole motive of anger. For Damascene says in On the True Faith 2.16 that we are angry when we suffer or think that we are suffering an injury. But one may suffer an injury without being despised or slighted. Therefore, a slight is not the only motive of anger. Objection 2. Further, desire for honor and grief for a slight belong to the same object. But dumb animals do not desire honor. Therefore, they are not grieved by being slighted. And yet, they are roused to anger when wounded as the philosopher says in Ethics 3.8. 
Therefore, a slight is not the sole motive of anger. Objection 3. Further, the philosopher, in Rhetoric 2.2, gives many other causes of anger, for instance, being forgotten by others, that others should rejoice in our misfortunes, that they should make known our evils, being hindered from doing as we like. Therefore, being slighted is not the only motive for being angry. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.2 that anger is a desire with sorrow for vengeance on account of a seeming slight done unbecomingly. I answer that all the causes of anger are reduced to slight. For slight is of three kinds as stated in Rhetoric 2.2, notably contempt, despiteful treatment, that is, hindering one from doing one's will, and insolence. And all motives of anger are reduced to these three. Two reasons may be assigned for this. First, because anger seeks another's hurt as being a means of just vengeance. Wherefore, it seeks vengeance in so far as it seems just. Now just vengeance is taken only for that which is done unjustly. Hence that which provokes anger is always something considered in the light of an injustice. Wherefore the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.3 that men are not angry if they think they have wronged someone and are suffering justly on that account, because there is no anger at what is just. Now injury is done to another in three ways, namely, through ignorance, through passion, and through choice. Then most of all a man does an injustice when he does an injury from choice, on purpose, or from deliberate malice, as stated in Ethics 5.8. Wherefore, we are most of all angry with those who, in our opinion, have hurt us on purpose. For if we think that someone has done us an injury through ignorance or through passion, either we are not angry with them at all or very much less, since to do anything through ignorance or through passion takes away from the notion of injury and to a certain extent calls for mercy and forgiveness. Those, on the other hand, who do an injury on purpose seem to sin from contempt wherefore we are angry with them most of all. Hence the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.3 that we are either not angry at all or not very angry with those who have acted through anger because they do not seem to have acted slightingly. The second reason is because a slight is opposed to a man's excellence because Men think little of things that are not worth much ado. Rhetoric 2.2 Now we seek for some kind of excellence from all our goods. Consequently, whatever injury is inflicted on us, insofar as it is derogatory to our excellence, seems to savor of a slight. 
Reply to Objection 1. Any other cause, besides contempt, through which a man suffers an injury, takes away from the notion of injury. Contempt or slight alone adds to the motive of anger, and consequently is of itself the cause of anger. Reply to Objection 2. Although a dumb animal does not seek honor as such, yet it naturally seeks a certain superiority, and is angry with anything derogatory thereto. Reply to Objection 3. Each of those causes amounts to some kind of slight. Thus forgetfulness is a clear sign of slight esteem, for the more we think of a thing, the more it is fixed in our memory. Again, if a man does not hesitate by his remarks to give pain to another, this seems to show that he thinks little of him. And those two who show signs of hilarity when another is in misfortune seem to care little about his good or evil. Again, he that hinders another from carrying out his will without deriving thereby any profit to himself seems not to care much for his friendship. Consequently, all those things, in so far as they are signs of contempt, provoke anger. Third article. Whether a man's excellence is the cause of his being angry. Objection 1. It would seem that a man's excellence is not the cause of his being more easily angry. For the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.2 that some are angry especially when they are grieved, for instance, the sick, the poor, and those who are disappointed. But these things seem to pertain to defect. Therefore, defect rather than excellence makes one prone to anger. Objection 2. Further, the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.2 that some are very much inclined to be angry when they are despised for failing or weakness, of the existence of which there are grounds for suspicion. But if they think they excel in those points, they do not trouble. But a suspicion of this kind is due to some defect. Therefore, defect rather than excellence is a cause of a man being angry. Objection 3. Further, whatever savors of excellence makes a man agreeable and hopeful. But the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.3 that men are not angry when they play, make jokes, or take part in a feast, nor when they are prosperous or successful, nor in moderate pleasures and well-founded hope. Therefore, excellence is not a cause of anger. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.9 that excellence makes men prone to anger. I answer that the cause of anger in the man who is angry may be taken in two ways. First, in respect of the motive of anger, and thus excellence is the cause of a man being easily angered. 
because the motive of anger is an unjust slight as stated above in article two now it is evident that the more excellent a man is the more unjust is a slight offered him in the matter in which he excels consequently those who excel in any matter are most of all angry if they be slighted in that matter for instance a wealthy man in his riches or an orator in his eloquence and so forth secondly the cause of anger in the man who is angry may be considered on the part of the disposition produced in him by the motive aforesaid now it is evident that nothing moves a man to anger except a hurt that grieves him while whatever savors of defect is above all a cause of grief since men who suffer from some defect are more easily hurt and this is why men who are weak or subject to some other defect are more easily angered since they are more easily grieved this suffices for the reply to the first objection reply to objection two if a man be despised in a matter in which he evidently excels greatly he does not consider himself the loser thereby and therefore is not grieved and in this respect he is less angered but in another respect in so far as he is more undeservedly despised he has more reason for being angry unless perhaps he thinks that he is envied or insulted not through contempt but through ignorance or some other like cause reply to objection three all these things hinder anger in so far as they hinder sorrow but in another respect they are naturally apt to provoke anger because they make it more unseemly to insult anyone fourth article whether a person's defect is a reason for being more easily angry with him objection one it would seem that a person's defect is not a reason for being more easily angry with him for the philosopher says in rhetoric two three that we are not angry with those who confess and repent and humble themselves on the contrary we are gentle with them wherefore dogs bite not those who sit down but these things savor of littleness and defect therefore littleness of a person is a reason for being less angry with him objection to further there is no greater defect than death but anger ceases at the sight of death therefore defect of a person does not provoke anger against him objection three further no one thinks little of a man through his being friendly towards him but we are more angry with friends if they offend us or refuse to help us hence it is written in psalm fifty four thirteen if my enemy had reviled me i would verily have borne with it therefore a person's defect is not a reason for being more easily angry with him on the contrary 
the philosopher says in rhetoric 2.2 that the rich man is angry with the poor man if the latter despise him and in like manner the prince is angry with his subject i answer that as stated above in articles two and three unmerited contempt more than anything else is a provocative of anger consequently deficiency or littleness in the person with whom we are angry tends to increase our anger in so far as it adds to the unmeritedness of being despised for just as the higher a man's position is the more undeservedly he is despised so the lower it is the less reason he has for despising thus a nobleman is angry if he be insulted by a peasant a wise man if by a fool a master if by a servant if however the littleness or deficiency lessens the unmerited contempt then it does not increase but lessens anger in this way those who repent of their ill deeds and confess that they have done wrong who humble themselves and ask pardon mitigate anger according to proverbs 15:1 a mild answer breaketh wrath because to wit they seem not to despise but rather to think much of those before whom they humble themselves this suffices for the reply to the first objection reply to objection to there are two reasons why anger ceases at the sight of death one is because the dead are incapable of sorrow and sensation and this is chiefly what the angry seek in those with whom they are angered another reason is because the dead seem to have attained to the limit of evils hence anger ceases in regard to all who are grievously hurt in so far as this hurt surpasses the measure of just retaliation reply to objection three to be despised by one's friends seems also a greater indignity consequently if they despise us by hurting or by failing to help we are angry with them for the same reason for which we are angry with those who are beneath us End of question 47 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.